Welcome back, fellow rabbit hole dwellers. Welcome back to Rabbit Hole Stories. <laughs> Today, we have Christian Moss with us, um, who is, um, as you can probably tell from his beautiful t-shirt there, um, works with Zebedee. Um, I'm, I'm loving it, mate. How did that t-shirt come about? <laughs> I've thought it before as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually yeah, one of my favorite t-shirts. So basically, <laughs> uh, me and the other co-founder, well, one of the other co-founders, uh, Simon, we just led zeppelin fans and we just <laughs> nice. think after a few drinks said that we should make led zebedee t-shirts uh so we made these led, led zebedee t-shirts and i actually quite like it because um I can, it's like kind of like a bitcoin t-shirt but obviously you can kind of wear it out and about without people like you know coming up to you and asking you about crypto which happens <laughs> if you wear bitcoin t-shirts that's true but we've got like a little bitcoin mark there oh nice. yeah and stuff like that so um unfortunately we don't sell these because we'd probably be breaking some sort of copyright so they're like <laughs> uh, gift only brilliant mate I, I, i'm a great believer that all the best ideas come on the back of a few pints of beer in a pub right <laughs> yeah pretty much and actually yeah i've got a few of those some of my games came from that so maybe <laughs> we'll get into that one game specifically actually <laughs> go on tell me <laughs> okay well um back in 2000 maybe 14 15 uh i was um i i, I was in japan and uh, it was kind of like i went to my first bitcoin meetup which was actually at the austrian embassy which is quite a great place to have a bitcoin meetup and we had this whole rooftop and uh after do you know when you've had a few drinks and you kind of think you see coins on the floor but that's like the bottle caps so you go pick right. them up oh it's a bottle cap I, I kind of had that and I thought, wouldn't it be great if like you can make like a geocaching game where you could just like drop Bitcoin on the floor uh, for other people to pick up. Uh, so I, I made a game back then called, it was called Takara. And, and basically people c could um, drop Bitcoin anywhere in the world for other people to pick up. And that kind of uh, wow. took off for a while and then broke because of scaling. And I'm bringing it back though uh, with the Lightning Network. It's like a so. Pokemon Go for Bitcoin, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it came before Pokemon Go. So, uh, I was, you I was, see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it, it was kind of somewhat inspired because at the time in Tokyo where, where, where I, was, I was living, uh, Ingress was very popular. Uh, so, Ingress is what Niantic, who made Pokemon Go, did before Pokemon Go. Oh, okay. So, I was kind of inspired by that. I kind of saw people playing that game. It's kind of, I didn't actually play it myself, but it's kind of like you would like get territories. Like, mm -hmm. you go out and walk and you get territories, and other teams would get your territory so that kind of like you know walking style game so it was somewhat in inspired by that but then uh pokemon go came af afterwards so uh but you didn't get bitcoin in pokemon go. it's like bitcoin it was uh it was spawned through uh different ideas <laughs> pocketed uh across all different aspects of cryptography right sure. you just put yeah. them all together <laughs> and instead you create this game so <laughs> well done to you mate chris yeah. i know we digressed but um our usual starting point in this um podcast is is understanding um mm. your rabbit hole story how you discover bitcoin when it was um and then we just literally go down with you as to what you're doing now and how it's kind of evolved yeah. from there so chris over to you my friend yeah well um i mean where do i start i suppose like yeah i guess like being you know from the uk i i, I wouldn't probably say i was politically idolized or motivated into bitcoin from the get-go i didn't really you know have financial issues right you know i didn't really i wasn't aware and uh, uh but um i i studied computer science uh at university in the uk uh but the way our university worked they didn't actually have any computer science lecturers uh, so <laughs> we got taught 
by non-computer scientists. Uh, and the result was, um, at the end of the course, I couldn't actually do any programming. Uh, so I graduated. It was like a first-class honours degree, but didn't like thought, well, I'm not going to be able to get a job. I, I don't have any skills. So I, I went to Japan and taught English, uh, which is what a lot of people do, go to Asia and speak English, because you automatically become an English teacher if you're an, a native speaker. Uh, but um, after work, I would I just went online, and um, at the time, iPhone was kind of iPhone apps were kind of big, and you know heard all these stories about you know some kid has made an iPhone app and he's retired. Uh, so I, I went on YouTube and just typed in how to make an iPhone app, and that's how I kind of got started uh, programming. Um, so I, I tried to make a bunch of games. I thought I'm put them on the App Store, and I'm going to make a load of money. I'm going to. I remember the first time I published my first game, I, I just went to bed and I was looking forward to the next day to see my like financial report from Apple to see how many hundreds of thousands of downloads I got. I got like four downloads and they were probably <laughs> my friends I told. Uh, so obviously I'd missed the gold rush there, uh, but um, I still, you know, w I wanted to be a, a programmer and I like making indie games. Um, so I actually went to... Australia for a few years and got a job as an app developer, at, uh, an app development company. And this company was quite interesting because um, at the time in Australia, they had like a 60 minutes Australia. You know, that show it's like big in America, 60 minutes. They had one in Australia and it was about a kid who made a lot of money on an app. So this business basically got loads of business. Suddenly they had loads of like, like farmers and like, you know, like retired people who had an app idea just coming in with like, 20 grand or something saying can you make me this app and I was a person who made all these like terrible ideas so I, I, I was basically like an in in-house app development sweatshop uh, I, so I made like angry bees angry bears flappy duck all, all these kind of ones uh, uh, but one guy actually came in and he said uh, oh can you make a bitcoin wallet and a social network site this is around about 2013 I hadn't heard of Bitcoin at the time, but I had to make this Bitcoin wallet and social network site. Uh, so then I, you know, I kind of had no idea what it was. But my coworker, I just remember he was to the left of me, just kind of spun around on his like swivel chair and had like a, a glint in his eye. And he was like a secret gold. Was bug. he stroking a, a cat? Uh, he, he, was <laughs> he, he, he was stroking a gold coin or something probably because <laughs> so, he was like a kind of you know obviously quite like libertarian and like a bit big gold bug so he kind of like told me about it and uh yeah i mean like i was you know, i mean i know uh, a lot of people are like they say that my first introduction to bitcoin i was quite skeptical this kind of stuff i was like oh this this makes perfect sense like it's like money that i can program so my first Bitcoin thing, I actually, I made this um, app for this client, uh, but then I just started to play around with it with it in my own time. And um, I actually made a Bitcoin wallet at the time. And at the time, it was the only Bitcoin wallet on the App Store. Uh, so um, at the time, Apple had banned all Bitcoin wallets. But as I said, I was like, I had to make, I basically, my job was making like, apps every week that were terrible and getting them approved by apple so i kind of knew i thought I, I reckon i can get a bitcoin wallet approved by apple so i, I made a terrible wallet by the today's standards so i sent it to apple and they approved it and it was like the only app store on the wallet uh so it was kind of like <laughs> everyone used it for a while which was very very scary um uh i actually small kind of side note um i actually got at the time like andreas 
Antonopoulos was like very popular. He was like the only guy making content and actually got an email from him. I was like, oh my God, and, like my hero has emailed me. And it was actually a cease and desist from him. Because <laughs> at oh, the time, no. yeah, like, oh, he was angry with me because at the time he was uh, the security offer at blockchain.info, which is now blockchain.com. And uh, I actually let people log in with a blockchain.info credentials to my wallet so they could use the, their blockchain.info account on mobile. And apparently I wasn't meant to do that. So, but he was <laughs> cool about it. Um, anyway, like, that's how I got into Bitcoin. And also around about the same time, I also started to pay tax, uh, which I hadn't really done before. So it's like my first proper job. So then I started, uh, I, I had this great boss who... He was like an old school, like blue collar worker who was, I guess, you know, very pro union, probably quite left wing. Mm. And then he he actually became a business owner. <laughs> it kind of changed him. And the I remember mm. in Australia, you get paid every two weeks instead of like every month. So every time he paid us, he'd come with um, his paycheck, with our paycheck. And he said, like, this is how much I'm paying you. And this is how much you're getting and this is what the government is taking so that kind of like i started to think yeah what why are they taking all this and then uh little things like in australia they force you to pay your pension you have to pay a pension and mm. uh but as a foreigner when i left australia like they don't let you keep it in a way so like you know you kind of get some of it back and uh and then there's this whole talk it was like about they were doing quantitative e easing and like i remember people saying that's like a you know it's like a taxation on people's savings and i, I never really thought about these things uh, but all that combined like me basically starting to work and getting taxed and trying to put money in a bank account and like the interest rate being like cr crazy low um and then learning about bitcoin which was this money that i could just you know control and be sovereign about and program that's how i kind of got started yeah. so it's almost like a perfect storm as such that yeah. in your life you know you're starting to realize what taxes were how the state were taking the piss and all this sort of stuff. So it was all a factor of many things all at once, really, wasn't it? I think it's just, yeah. And you just, you grow up, don't you, really? And I think I think it was mm. probably a big thing that, my, my, like, a lot of people don't notice because it, it depends on the country, but you, you don't actually see the tax. You get, like, paid before. Like, they take the your employee takes the tax out and just gives you the money and you don't, you know. But the fact that my boss would, like, every time he'd pay us, it would go in our bank account, but he would show us, and he'd kind of let us know that, like, you know, I think that was like a small thing. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point, because I have that with a lot of friends in Austria. And I think in Sweden, I might be saying the wrong country now, where they have exactly that. They say, I have no idea how much tax I pay because like my employer pays it. And maybe a few of them are freelancers, but even with them, they go like, oh, you know, money hits the bank. This goes yeah. to like the tax office. I and mean, <laughs> I just need to survive. It's, yeah. it's, it's one of the evils of the world doing that. I mean, there should be some constitutional <laughs> law against it that like you, you, the people have, to, I guess, technically is transparent and they know, but it's like, yeah, you slowly boil the frog almost and people don't realize. And then they realize, oh, I can't really afford the lifestyle I should be getting or, and they don't, mm. yeah, I don't know. I mean, having lived in both systems, to be honest, I, if I have to choose between one of the two, I choose the one where it's all out of the window and paid for. And like, you don't have to think about it a year later 
Because yeah. even now, sometimes I have stuff, I go like, shit, why is this an expense on my account? And then you like, you know, end up looking through yeah. your whole list of years I mean, work and go like, oh yeah, that was that one or whatever it was. So <laughs> it is a bit of a weird Having, system. Yeah, I, know, I know what you mean. And I can see why it, people just accept it, right? Because I, I am, you know, I, I'm, I, I have to do my like taxes every year and I have to like, oh, gotta find all these expenses and invoices. But um before we went live, we, we we were chatting a bit about medieval history and this kind of stuff. And I mean, I, I think, you know, throughout history, you know, every time unfair taxes were raised, there'd always be like a peasant's revolt. Because mm. that's because like the taxman would have to go to the villages and say, you owe us this tax. And they would have to actually get the people to hand it over. And, you know, and I think if we still had that, people would be, it'd be a lot hot, harder to raise taxes, right? Because it's, you know, you're actually having people physically give you the cash or whatever. But now that it's taken out before you get it, it's a lot easier to kind of, you know, do taxes without people, you know, complaining or realizing, you you, you know, you slowly add like a, a, you know, a few fractions of a percent each year. And it's, yeah. yeah. Talking of revolt as well, I was thinking earlier today, I was like, how bad does it actually have to really get before people like do something about... three meals isn't it that's what they say if you miss three meals then society collapses or something i think that's what yeah. i've heard before <laughs> yeah it's just it's just i don't know it's almost like the system is out of reach for most people they don't know how to go against it anymore because they're not reporting on things like protests anymore they're deliberately keeping that out of the media and stuff like that so you know, when they control the narrative, it's difficult for yeah. people to actually see what is actually really happening. I think also the solutions that people by default go to are not necessarily the ones that would solve it. So I think, you know, when people's, yeah, yeah. you know, That's cost of living or they can't afford stuff there, you know, that automatic um, instinct is to, you know, well, let's tax people who have money more, right? Um, yeah. When then like that, you know, not necessarily has the effect they want, you know, I'm not going to get into this, but, you know, people mm -hmm. have different opinions, but... You know, that could just lead to like those people paying less tax because they leave or find ways out of it. And then, yeah. you know, it leads to the, you know, the government having to like issue, sell more bonds or whatever. So, you you know, it's, yeah, it's not necessarily like, oh, we have a cost of living. So let's, you know, let's ask the government to stop printing more money. That's not what most people go to by default, you know. And most people that, that they don't actually learn uh, in school anything about economics and money really they don't mm -hmm. they don't understand what yeah. education I mean, means and things like that so that's fair but I, I i've heard this before and i used to say that but i used to think like it depends on the school but do you want the state teaching that <laughs> i mean maybe mm -hmm. they should learn it in, in a more private school but you know um but you you were the guy that went to uh computer programming and the person teaching you didn't have a clue as to what <laughs> they were talking and you, you went you went on to it seems like um the internet and basically self-learned yourself right i've got daniel prince uh his rabbit hole story in my ear right now i'm remembering that so yeah i mean i think this is quite lucky for computer programmers i mean obviously if you want to be a surgeon or something don't go on the internet you probably won't accept you <laughs> yeah. but i think the good thing about computer programming is you just need a laptop or and mm -hmm. access to the internet and it's you know i mean you don't really need to like my first computer programming course was the, basically the lecturer said like, well, computer programming is something you really have to teach yourself. <laughs> you just, uh, it's true though. You know, it's like, you know, they can teach you some concepts, but it's really just, you know, writing code and it not working and debugging it and getting, you know, feedback. So um, I think it's quite a, a unique quirk of 
computer programming. It's, you know, because like, say that you do construction or something like, you know, I'm learning on the job. Mm. Oh, no, the, the house collapsed. You know, <laughs> you know, it, you can't really do that. But with computer programming, like, oh, the, the program crashed. You know, it's it's very easy to make mistakes and kind of learn. And so it, it's, it's great. I mean, um, not everybody is suited towards it, but if you are, it's just a just a, a great thing to learn because it's free to learn and you can be very independent with it, right? You can work from anywhere. And it's instant feedback, like you said. You instantly know, oh, fun, it runs. So now I can do the next steps and the next steps and finally get it together or, well, shit breaks. So that's, that's like, yeah. actually, it's quite a good life lesson. Either you get it done or you just sit down again and do it all over until it I works. Mean, yeah, and it... It also really, I think it also really works well with like what I guess what we call the scientific method, you know, how, you know, your program doesn't work. So you've got to play detective, you know, and, you, you know, you kind of have a theory and hypothesis and you don't think in a biased way, like, you know, what variables do I change to? And you run these experiments and then you ultimately find out, you know, what the problem was. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of find just the type of thinking it can teach you is also quite helpful generally in real life it, it basically teaches you not to assume things apart from that mm. you're an idiot and you've made a mistake somewhere <laughs> you know which is a... so inevitably you ended up was there always a gaming interest with you to go down yes. that route or was it literally just i want to create games because you know 14 year old buggers made a lot of money before well, i think also just making games was a really fun aspect of programming because mm -hmm. you know you can just be very creative with a game right you know um mm -hmm. you know you I, I i often say that game development is one of the most creative things you can do um you know as a game as an indie game developer you you, know, you, you can make the music you can make the story mm -hmm. you can make the the graphics and but you can also make like the rules of the universe of the physics in the game right so it's like you're basically making worlds so it's just a fun way to learn programming um so that was why i kind of like to do gaming um but yeah like I, just to continue i guess where we left off so like my first i guess bitcoin app was a, a wallet then after that i actually made like a, i was making a payment style app called bitpay uh, I, I actually called it BitPay. I got another cease and desist letter from BitPay for doing that. Um, uh, Out of curiosity, do you still have those? Those would be funny to like frame and hang up. Oh, there'll be somewhere images, I suppose. Yeah, it's weird because I think I, I I had BitPay Australia and they had BitPay America, but you know they were bigger and had money, and I didn't really. Yeah. Anyway, and, but at, at that time wallets apple had allowed wallets back on the app store so i didn't really want to be in the wallet business being a wallet developer is a thankless job you basically have a, a load of risk and it's very hard to monetize um so after the wallets were let back on the app store i basically um took my wallet down off the app store and then i was making a, an indie game at the time because I, uh, I had to learn a new programming language that Apple had released called Swift. They they, they decided to, to use a new one. And somebody had made like a, a Flappy Bird tutorial in Swift. So I just kind of had to learn this t t tutorial just to, for my job because I was making all these apps. So I, I started to make an indie game. And then I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, yeah, this Bitcoin thing. Oh, I should really just like do something with this in the game. That'd be quite cool because, you know, it's a digital world and this is digital money. So... Um, the first thing I did in the game was, um, you know, what seemed to make sense is in the game, instead of doing in-app purchases, you could just buy things with Bitcoin. 
uh, sent it to Apple and, and they didn't allow it because <laughs> you're not allowed to, to buy things uh, without in-app purchase. So I was like, oh, okay, uh, well, I just really, really want to sh just put Bitcoin into the game just because it's cool and it's fun. So they have a rule against, um, uh, you know, y you're not allowed to get Bitcoin from a player, but they have no rule against giving Bitcoin to a player because, like, okay, yeah. why would they have a, a rule about giving people money? You couldn't really do that before, right? So I basically changed it. So when you played the game, after a while, it would... It, it would send you some bits. We didn't use sats back then. We used bits. So you play the game and it would just like give you some bits, um, so some Bitcoin. And then I sent it to Apple and they were like, yeah, we should really reject this, but <laughs> there's no rule against yeah. it. So we'll just allow it. They found a loophole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, it was a stupid idea. I, I didn't really have any plan to fund it. So I did. I just went on Reddit and put a QR code and said, hey, I've got this game. It's on the App Store. Uh, which is quite a big deal back then, right? Because like, there was no like game on the app store that would give you Bitcoin. I said, like, it, it's this great onboarding tool. So here's a QR code. Just, it, any Bitcoin you send to this QR code will be used to send to players. And that, yeah, Reddit funded the game for a while. I, I should probably go on and see how much Bitcoin that QR code got in, in, in total because it's probably a, a lot, a, you know, a fairish amount. Um, actually, a hacker also sent Bitcoin to that QR code. At the time, Bitstamp, the exchange was hacked and somebody had figured out the hacker like in a Robin Hood style had sent Bitcoin right. to the game and the game had like money laundered it out. Well, not money laundering because it went to like players or something. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of like took off. And then um, eventually that kind of died down. Obviously, people, you know, didn't give money to it forever. Uh, but yeah, it kind of it, it, it worked quite well. And then I, I just ended up I noticed that people were playing the game more. Uh, because it gave them Bitcoin. So I started to get the game made more money through ad revenue and things like this. So I just started to give a percentage of the ad revenue back to the players uh, through the game. And, and that's kind of how I became like a Bitcoin game developer. I kind of quit my day job and then started to make Bitcoin games. So that was the first game. And then I, I made the geocaching game we mentioned and uh yeah it was it was exciting at the time it's like 2014 15 now and uh i was had like partnerships with coinbase and and zappo and bread wallet at the time and we're all kind of like funding the games and i actually got some mining company gave me some miners to fund the game as well so like i'd put their logo in the game and the miners would give bitcoin to the game and to me so to kind of profitize it and it it was really great, and uh, and and then it all kind of stopped working because blockchains don't scale, and um, the fees went high. So before, when I would just send people like a hundred bits for like nothing, right? You know, it was just costing uh, you know like five dollars to do that. So I had to basically change the game so you'd basically get paid out at the end of the month, which kind of ruined the experience. And then it just kind of, yeah, kind of. I just basically uh, said this isn't really working anymore. Um, and at the time, the I had a few contemporaries who were also making games as well. So this kind of small Bitcoin gaming industry at the time. And uh, they had all moved to this uh, brand new chain, which has zero fees, which was going to have zero fees forever. Um, but I was a bit skeptical of this new chain because I thought it had zero fees because it was new, <laughs> not that it would have zero fees forever. But they all moved over to Ethereum. Um and I remember at the time thinking, well, it's kicking the can down the road. So, um, but 
uh, and I, I heard about the Lightning Network. Uh, I kind of saw, you know, murmurs of it. So I thought I was quite lucky that I, I, I wasn't really a business. It was just me. I didn't have to pay employees or, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I could just like wait. Uh, I like my other contemporaries, you know, they had businesses and, you know, so they kind of had to migrate to other chains or something to kind of keep their businesses going. But I was quite lucky. So I just waited for the Lightning Network to come out and uh, eventually it did come out. And um, round about that time, you know, um, uh, it's, it's kind of how we get into Zebedee, I guess. It's... Uh, I thought, well, um, you know, um, I was approached by Simon, who was the CEO, who was actually a player of my first game, <laughs> who had remembered me. Well, he actually, he wanted to make a, a Bitcoin. So he, he thought the Lightning Network was cool. And uh, he um, also thought gaming was a perfect use case for Bitcoin. Um, and he kind of didn't know, like, who was a Bitcoin gamer in in the Bitcoin space. And it's basically probably just me at the time because everybody had gone into blockchain gaming, right? So um, he contacted me and I was like, yeah, let's do this. And so Zebedee is all about um, enabling people. Um, I guess selfishly, it's so I could re-release my games with the Lightning Network, but also to help developers do the same thing and really make Bitcoin usable in games um so do i remember this correctly that you guys officially launched as a wasn't it a hackathon result or something Ooh. like a lightning event kind of or, or am i am i messing this up no no there's a bit of truth there hold on i'm gonna see this so um when i actually first met simon there was this was a bitcoin 2019 so it's from the bitcoin oh, go, yeah. miami conferences uh, but this one was in San Francisco. It was their first one. And they had like one, they had a, a hackathon, which was like make a lightning game. And I thought I'll definitely win this because I'm the only lightning game developer in the world. So I entered it and, and I won. <laughs> so, um, uh, but then I met Simon for the first time in person. there. So we were going to do it already, but we actually kind of met there. And obviously this kind of accolade helped with investment and stuff. You know, we've got like uh, Simon who was... Um, he was uh he worked at bitstamp and he'd also uh handled some large like gaming uh acquisitions and stuff in the gaming space and then i was um you know the bitcoin gaming champion or whatever right you know um so yeah that's uh true so it's, it's kind of true but i think we officially announced ourselves in the bitcoin uh, the, in the lightning conference in germany the first one the first and last one, I should say. Um, it, yeah, they had to cancel a few times, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it, it's it's tough trying to do a conference in a bear market, unfortunately. But um, That's true. But yeah, so that's how we kind of started myself and Simon. And then not soon after, Andre also came on, who is our CTO. Mm. Uh, and he came from like, pre he pretty much came from the chain code residency. So he was like the star people there. And he came on board. And I mean the three of us together work really really well because simon knows the business world and i'm glad i don't have to like get my hands dirty with that kind of stuff because it's it's not my language let's say um andre is just like a superstar developer he's just great at like making projects scalable and working with big teams you know he he'd worked for like kind of big tech kind of companies before um and i'm kind of you know the the gamer i suppose so i understand game development as well uh, so us three 
together um, really made us a strong kind of foundation for the company. It's, I mean, you, you started um, just tinkering around, doing your own thing, putting up a QR code on Reddit um, and, and then just going with it. And this is all pre kind of lightning and anything like that. And obviously, um, as the uh, incentives in Bitcoin grew, the fundamentals were starting to shine and people started to on, be onboarded. The more opportunities opened up for you as well. Um, and this is what's obviously created this whirlwind of a journey for you in Zebedee. That's amazing. Um, that's 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 a great story. And so, what's next then for you guys? What's what's going on in the future? Is there anything that you can tell us? Um, I know there's some things that you're probably working on that you can't. But what's what's the future vision for Zebedee? Yeah, I mean, so um, we have the problem is we have too many ideas and visions. I mean, like it really is. It's kind of um, it's uh, it's like a lot of low hanging fruit at the moment. Uh, but I'm particularly quite excited about like gaming integration with Nostra. Um, and we actually obviously, um, th so with Zebedee, we are like a, we're B2B, but we're also B2C. So we, we have like an API and toolkit that developers can use um, to kind of send micropayments to players and let players like have a virtual uh, economy. But we also have a consumer based, consumer facing Bitcoin wallet, which is more than just a Bitcoin lightning wallet. It, it's also like a kind of an, an app, a portal. So it has um, Nostra built in. So you basically have a seamless integration with your Lightning wallet and your Nostra client. Um, so the next step is then obviously to improve the the integration with gaming. So I actually have a, a NIP myself, uh, NIP77, uh, which will allow games to kind of link with Nostra. And, and what we kind of... We see it already, but this will make it a lot smoother. The kind of circular economy. So, for example, you'll play a game and that game will give you some sats. And with those sats, you might zap somebody on Nostra. Or on Nostra, you might like make a nice post and somebody zaps you. And with those sats, you can use them in the game. You know, uh, it, it all kind of flows seamlessly. So that's kind of... Um, I'm quite excited about that because... Um, th this is actually pr probably quite interesting to the listeners. Um, I, I spent a, like I actually I I don't go to many Bitcoin co conferences as much anymore. I, I obviously trying to focus on gaming conferences because Zebedee is trying to like it's kind of it, it's quite easy to sell Zebedee to the Bitcoin crowd, right? You know, it's somewhat preaching to the choir, but it, we really need to onboard gamers, right? You know, and that's a lot more than Bitcoiners. So I, I go to a lot of Bitcoin conferences and uh, unfortunately, uh, a lot of gamers, um, you know, uh, it's quite they have a quite hard time getting on board with Bitcoin um, for a couple of reasons. Um, like you think it'd be obvious because like, you know, Bitcoin is a, a virtual currency and games have virtual currency. So you'd think it'd be fine. But gamers have PTSD, uh, what I found. Um, so uh, probably you guys remember games before free to play i suppose you'd buy a game and you'd own the game and the game would be complete and then free to play came out which made gaming especially mobile gaming very accessible to everybody but then i think gamers felt kind of cheated you know like they'd buy a game and to actually complete the game you'd have to spend like a lot more than the game would cost if you bought it outright so like instead yeah. of paying 50 dollars for a game now to own everything in the game you end up paying like 200 dollars of or $300, or even $1,000 of, like, loot boxes mm -hmm. and in-app purchases and all these kind of things. 
so, so gamers were super kind of, they felt like, you know, game developers are just trying to trick them and it's, it's like a cash grab. So they kind of were getting over that and then blockchain gaming came, which is kind of like, hey, buy this uh, NFT, uh, you know, and they're like, wait a minute, we, we've seen this before, you know, <laughs> and they got super mm. skeptical because they thought it was like another kind of cash grab. You're going to make me buy this thing and it's going to be worth nothing. Um so there was that kind of like burnt them again. And then like when you come and talk about Bitcoin, they just see it as NFTs and crypto and uh, and Web3. Um, I should also say, actually, I'm not actually super against NFTs. I actually do have a history with NFTs. Uh, so I'm not super against it. And I actually have had I, in, in 2014 and 15, I was doing like NFTs on counterparty with Bitcoin. I, I think it, it can be done right, but it's very hard to do it right. And it mainly just comes off scammy and people get ripped off and game gamers don't, don't, don't like it. So that's kind of like what we kind of saw with like trying to sell Bitcoin to gamers. And then you also had this, uh, this other angle where I think this is temporary, but um, you know, a lot of game developers and players uh, would just say, Oh, Bitcoin is bad for the environment. A lot of game, it's funny because a lot of gamers aren't particularly like what you would call progressive or woke in a way. But if you go to game conferences, that's where all those kind of uh, more liberal gamers, let's say, kind of hang out. So they're all like super, you know, anti-Bitcoin because of the environment, uh, which is strange. I, I remember having a conversation with uh, somebody at a game conference and they're like, oh, Bitcoin's bad for the environment. Now I'm not interested. And then a few minutes later, they were talking about the 3000 what graphics card they just bought <laughs> so they could play like, you know, like, uh, you know, 60 frames per second, 4k or, or something like that. Uh, so there's th those two kind of things getting into it, but just to tie it back in, um, gamers like are kind of like Nostra and at, what we actually see that Nostra is actually taking off with people who have hated Bitcoin. A lot of the developers, especially in Japan, funnily enough, which find, um, which a lot of people in Japan didn't really like Bitcoin. Uh, they're not really interested, uh, but they like super like Nostra. And so I kind of feel like, you know, and, and Nostra is built by Bitcoiners, but it doesn't, it's not like, it's not a Bitcoin protocol. It does have a Bitcoin mm -hmm. integration. So I think it's actually quite a cool way to, to get the gamers on board because gamers love like discord and social and mm. all this kind of stuff but i think nos is really quite exciting and then you know once they start to get zapped you know like i hate this big oh money yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure so i'm actually quite excited about that so and at zebedee we actually um so fiat jeff has worked with us for a long time as well so we're quite lucky to have like uh, uh, him on board to really help us do nosta well uh so yeah, I'm actually yeah, that's quite I'm quite excited. Basically, um, releasing some gaming and Nostra integration tools and this kind of thing, and see what game developers come up with and how they can use Nostra creatively to kind of uh, you know ex extend their games. And I guess it's really the the number one thing is it makes Bitcoin sociable because you can invite your friends and you can show them like, oh, you know, if you do this and that and you get sapped, like, there you go, free money. Or uh, you, I guess it's also a cool way to monetize your gaming content because often what do they do? They stream, yep. they maybe upload it to their socials, but there's never an incentive as a follower yeah. to like pay them unless I, mean, I live stream with them. So absolutely. that's pretty cool. So like we actually have a streamer, um, tool app at Zebedee that you can use um, to put a QR code on your kind of Twitch stream or what 
ever to to get stats and uh i mean like gaming is so much bigger than just playing a game now like so m- m- my wife's a massive gamer and uh she you know she she spends more time watching other people play games and she does play games and when she is playing a game she's like has somebody else playing a different game on the side right. <laughs> so uh i mean and you know it's really quite i i know like a lot of those people monetize with like youtube super chats and this kind of stuff uh but i mean yeah it, i think nostra and stuff opens up a whole new le- level and i think it's also important to talk about one of the biggest ch- challenges with bitcoin gaming is um the current gatekeepers are kind of not allowing it to flourish so twitch Mm -hmm. won't allow you to directly like make a kind of bitcoin style bot because they have their own like twitch gems or something like this right um and like apple allow bitcoin apps but they heavily shadow ban them and they don't really allow it they say they allow it but it's really really hard to get an app approved and when they do they, they you know they're not going to allow it to be featured on the app store and steam don't allow bitcoin apps at all so it's really really kind of hard to kind of like you know we really need like a bitcoin game to go viral but games go viral on steam in the app store so if if that's impossible then it's really going to be hard to break out so these other kind of other platforms that like if nostra can grow independently of bitcoin you know um but then that would allow you know uh, people to scale you know the visibility of bitcoin games and apps and uh i think that's really quite powerful yeah and you've got the likes of um mary amasterwin in this space now who does a lot of uh, live streaming and orange uh, pilling people at the same time she's playing the game and stuff like that so you know as 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 bitcoin adoption grows the more gamers um or hardcore gamers are going to come on board right and start to put the signal out there amongst the other community surely yeah i mean like i also like i i kind of don't like the term bitcoin games as well because it is a bit cringe you know like i'm a gamer and like you know like sometimes i I, you know i want to play a game and i don't necessarily think this game should have bitcoin in it you know Uh, some games definitely should so we have uh we're working with satlantis who have a minecraft server with bitcoin i think that kind of makes sense you have like an economy and, and, and trading but like certain games like i think you know it's maybe it's a bit cringe but i mean but if you have like the a bitcoin in integration that's more it's not a direct integration but it's more like it's integrated with the streaming or the comments or the chat the kind of like a more ecosystem i think that's a much more gentle and uh um natural way to kind of integrate it and i think like even mary i think what she does sometimes is because there's not that many bitcoin games so she probably she runs out of bitcoin games that she can play (laughs) Uh, so she probably is playing like non-bitcoin games but using the kind of bitcoin streaming tools to kind of you know make it work with bitcoin right you know so and i I think that's probably the way that it it, is going to scale um in the short term at least uh, because you know it um like we do have a lot of developers making bitcoin games on zebedee but um i i think it's gonna be a, a few years until we see like like you know mm. like triple a companies like you know mm. call of duty adding it right but if you want to play like the new final fantasy or, or something but with bitcoin you can stream it and then like you know have a tip bot all, all these kind of things you know or integrate it with nostra like you know like upload the screenshot of what you've done in the game and then people will zap you 
I think that's probably you know the the larger proportion of of the kind of Bitcoin engagement. And it also differentiates bit well Bitcoin games in quotation marks for the audio listeners uh, to you know the typical blockchain games because what's the number one thing you hear on the blockchain games? It's play to earn. Yeah. That sort of it, it looks like that's the whole innovation taking place. Then you go like you you play this game for five minutes and you go like well right okay I can see how it may work but like what if eight billion people play it right? And uh, you guys really offer a suite where creators and gamers can take advantage of it. So is it therefore uh, Sebedi Social? Is that because you said Fiat Chef also worked with you? guys is that like the purest form of how he envisioned a Nostra client or wasn't he that much involved in the designing and ramping up of that i mean i i can't really speak for him and um mm -hmm. it was also it was fiat jeff also i think ben arc as well with Dagon ali kind of stuff i, I wouldn't say that zebedee social is like the purest form of Nostra. um but the thing about Nostra is it's a protocol so it allows clients to make different um versions of, of Nostra. so like i mean i, I I'll be completely honest here. Like, so Zebedee, we are like a, a, a regulated company and we're appealing to gamers and we want to work with like real gaming studios, which means we're not going to have a fully open Nostra where people can post whatever they want, right? You know, right. because we're on the app stores, this kind of stuff. Uh, but the Nostra protocol allows for those type of companies to kind of make a more curated Nostra. But mm. also, if you want to go and like, you know, post something that is more political or whatever you can use your same nostra key to, to, to you know to run yeah a, a different app so you know i i, I mean i i don't speak for fiat jeff but i think that's more the power of, of nostra it's like one criticism mm -hmm. i get i hear from nostra is like well you know it's a valid criticism it's like well what happens if i lose my you know private key I, i've lost my identity um Funnily enough, I actually spoke, um, I was with Ben Ark at a, a, a pleb fest a few weeks ago, and I actually said, hey, I've got this great idea for a nip where you can override your hot wallet Nostra key with like a cold storage key on a hardware wallet. So if it gets hacked, you can like change it. And apparently there's a nip for that somewhere. Uh, but anyway, having said that, there are going to be a, a, a certain type of people who they want to go to support, you know, and shout at somebody right but nostra allows you to make a custodial nostra client right you know so mm. i mean so you kind of get a spectrum of nostra but they can all talk to each other right it's, it's like email you know so i if i use gmail technically i can still send an email to my own self-run email server right yep. you know but yeah so and I guess the whole criticism, this is maybe also criticism we on the show often make towards the Bitcoin community as a whole. We waste so much time. I remember, was it Odell who like called you guys out on Nostra for going like, yeah, this is like, you know, closed source, I don't know, Nostra client. Maybe, perhaps. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he has a few of those rants throughout the week. And I kind of read it as like, who gives a shit? Because like, it's like you say, some people are just not capable of saving their Nostra key. Present company included. I lost my first Nostra account because I lost my pr private key. I went like, fuck, I have to do a yeah. new one. Um, so I think that whole argument, sometimes we lose a bit of scope there in the community. And that's what I like what you guys do, because uh, I literally have friends who I went, okay, instead of showing them, you know, the typical lightning wallets, I said, like, go with SEBI-D. You don't have to do the KYC thing up to you, but like use it and play around with it because you immediately from the get go have options 
to actually use Bitcoin in a different way than just, you know, saving, yeah. modeling, and I mean, spending it. The good thing about Lightning is we don't have to require KYC for low amounts. So, so to people to get started, they can just kind of play and get some stats without ha having to KYC. But yeah, I completely understand, you know, like, unfortunately, because we we really want, like, m my dream is to kind of, you know, get, you know, get some AAA game that has billions of players, like, giving people Bitcoin. And that would be very powerful. And that's not going to happen unless you are, like, regulated in all the various jurisdictions. But luckily, like I said, because it's small amounts, um, we don't actually have to KYC people unless they want to, like, send large amounts, you know. But for most casual games, you know, they don't really hit that limit. Um, having said that, you know, um, uh, I'm really quite like people. Like, you know, I think, like, the Bitcoin policy UK, I think there's a lot of, I mean... I think we need to, you know, I, I am concerned about regulation getting worse and worse. Uh, so I, I kind of, you know, uh, hope that we can also be positive and also convince lawmakers to, you know, show like, look, like nobody's going to be laundering money with like sats and like for small amounts in games. Let's just leave the people alone. We don't need to collect that information. And I hope it stays that way. But I understand if, if, if people don't want to use Zebedee, but we're transparent, you know. So, mm -hmm. but luckily with Zebedee, I mean, you can also use a lot of our games with like your own Lightning wallet. Like, so mm -hmm. Fountain is powered by Zebedee, and you can get paid out to your own node of Fountain, right? So, you don't have to use the Zebedee wallet, you know. Um, nice. So, it, but we just so we have our Zebedee wallet, and you know, it's custodial. But that's how we onboard gamers, unfortunately, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, um, and. You know, most people like use like you know, wallet Satoshi is like the most popular Lightning wallet. It's just a great onboarding thing, and maybe in the future, like some of the stuff the Phoenix wallet's doing it is really cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just for on, I you know, I think most of my most of the more hardcore Bitcoiners I know who like run their own node and all this kind of stuff, quite a lot of them got started in a custodial way just to get onboarded. And then eventually they got educated and, uh, you know, had to do their tax return. Like, oh, damn, I should maybe make it non-custodial so people don't know about it. <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Definitely. And it goes back into even your story with like, you got told computer science, but actually had to learn it. Having that learning curve on your own, yeah. isn't that what's the idea behind it, you know? And everyone makes mistakes or has the first touch point in a different way so i think we should be a bit more a bit more chill well, yeah. as a community well, let's what, like one of my like initial i guess yeah i probably one of my motivations with putting bitcoins in games originally i just thought it's a really easy way because when i got started the only way to get bitcoin was was via <laughs> was via mount gox <laughs> And and then soon after that they closed. So it's very hard for people to get Bitcoin. So I always thought like in my first game, like, oh, if you just want to learn about Bitcoin, like people kind of, they realistically had two choices. They could either like go in a, on an exchange and KYC and buy Bitcoin, or they could play my game and just get a little bit of a Bitcoin tip and play around with it and no KYC. So I always saw gaming as like the non-kyc people just to get people introed into bitcoin they only get a small amount but a small amount is all you need to start to learn if you don't have that people are going to have to end up buying bitcoin on you know they're going to go through buying it on coinbase and all, all this kind of stuff and that's like the first intro to bitcoin is going to be 
directly KYC. So I always see gaming as a, a, a great low risk way. You don't have to upload your passport just to get started with a small amount. And if you lose it, you, like, you know, if it, if you go on Coinbase or something or and you buy like a hundred dollars of Bitcoin and you lose it, you'll be quite angry and like, oh, it might turn you off. But if you just get like, you know, a thousand sats or something, like oh, you've learned about it. And if you lose it, like, yeah, it's a thousand sats, you know, it's I'm not as, um, you know, I'm not as hurt by that. Anyway, that's kind of what I saw. But ev everybody has their own different journey, you know, into Bitcoin and uh I'm, I'm just speaking from a gaming perspective. It's very true. We all have our own journey into Bitcoin. And as you know, Chris, as, as everyone has heard, all roads lead back to Bitcoin. So we've started to play this little game at the end of each of our episodes. And that is giving our guest a word or a topic. And then they've got to try and relate that back to Bitcoin somehow. So um, Joel and I had... Terrible. <laughs> Joel and I thought of the word during our conversation here. And we um, agreed upon um, rock band. We'll give you a bit of uh, thinking time if you need it. But how does Rock Band relate back to Bitcoin? Oh, I can answer this one. So uh, there's a famous interview. And I can't find it with David Bowie. And somebody asked him, is this like in the 90s or something? And he said, like, um, if you were young now, would you be in a rock band? And he said, no, I'd be a computer programmer. And I always and he recognized that I kind of think like, you know, Bitcoin is like the punk and rock rock and roll like i mean i'm the same like i, I i've got i've got like guitars here and all this kind of stuff and uh you know like i used to have long hair and you can see by my t-shirt i i really wanted to be in a rock band but i really wanted to be in a rock band in the 1970s i mean being in a rock band now is kind of like what you're going to be on spotify that's cool you know but i think being like a you know a cypherpunk programmer is really like the new rock and roll and punk and like rock bands they wanted to make music they want to change the world change how people think snap people out of the current thinking and i think that's what bitcoin does now so yeah um but i think that's i think that's a perfect answer and and we've still proven that all roads lead back to bitcoin so thank you for that chris and guys thank you for joining us as well i hope you enjoyed the episode uh we'll put all of chris's socials and every all of links to zebedee and things like that in the show notes so make sure you go and check that out and uh chris thank you very much for your time no thanks for having me had a great time